are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in as we head into Super Bowl weekend. I've got a lot of statistics in regards to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Chiefs fans, there's a lot of numbers favoring the Eagles on this one. Good for me, not great for you, but they're just numbers. Who knows what's going to happen? Also, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA trade deadline. It was absolutely crazy yesterday, but we're just going to talk about the main ones, who got better, who's like I'm scratching my head at. Um, An emailer that I never got to yesterday, uh, I'll address that one, and then what's going on in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas. They are going to leave the Big 12 a year early now. It was made official yesterday, and some more news on Tom Brady, the broadcaster, and we will get to that momentarily. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, obviously, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the Super Bowl in this podcast, and there's a lot going on with the statistics, and (laughs) it is just... It's amazing how many statistics are favoring the Philadelphia Eagles in this. I'm going to read off to you just the ones that favor the Eagles. I think there's a couple here and there that I've seen where it favors the Chiefs, but they're they're not many. And again, these are just trends, statistics. It doesn't mean anything when the ball kicks off on Sunday. But if you're an Eagles fan, you're probably going to want to share this with all your friends. And if you're a Kansas City fan, you're like, shut up, Steve. We're going to prove you wrong, which is fine. I mean, like I said, I I want a good game. Obviously, I want the Eagles to win because of my bet at the beginning of the season. Back in July, I had the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, so uh, I could use that win. That'd be very nice. But, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here, and I'm just like, okay, there's, there's a lot to cover. Um, and first off, let's start with this. Last night. At the NFL Awards show, Patrick Mahomes won his second MVP in six seasons, even though he's only played the last five. He was sitting behind Alex Smith his first year in KC. So, a second MVP for Patrick Mahomes in six seasons. That is awesome. However, this is where it gets ugly. The last nine reigning MVPs that played in the Super Bowl last year all lost. In that same year, sorry, not last year. The last nine reigning MVPs that played in the Super Bowl that year lost. Kurt Warner in 01, Rich Gannon in 02, Sean Alexander in 05, Tom Brady in 07, Peyton in 09, Peyton in 13, Cam Newton in 15, Matt Ryan in 16, Tom Brady in 17. Yuck. <laughs> Not a great stat. Um, The regular season, I told you this one the other day, the regular season passing yardage champion has never won the Super Bowl, 0-6. Patrick Mahomes faces the Eagles' number one pass defense. There have been two previous instances where the passing yards leader and the top passing defense met in the Super Bowl, and the top passing defense won both times. Small sample size. It's only two out of 56, but favors the Eagles. This will be the seventh Super Bowl matchup of the first-team All-Pro quarterback, versus the second-team All-Pro quarterback. Mahomes was first-team All-Pro, Jalen Hurts, second-team All-Pro. 
the second team quarterback is 6 and 0 in the previous 6. No regular season MVP has won a Super Bowl this century. Those I just read that stat off to you. That was this century, you know, like I said the last 9 since 2000 uh, have all lost if they've gotten to the Super Bowl that year. Kansas City this year was 8 and 11 against the spread. It's the 7th team to enter the Super Bowl with a losing spread mark during the season. The past Five lost outright. Now, there is one trend that favors the Chiefs. The white jersey trend. If you wear white jerseys in the Super Bowl, I don't know what the record is, but it favors the team that has wearing the white jerseys, and the Chiefs are wearing their white with the Eagles wearing their green. So I guess you could look at that. Remember the coin flip one that I told you? The last eight coin flip winners ended up losing the game outright. So... You can wait until the last minute to put your bet in if you're really relying on that trend and pick against the team that um, wins the coin flip. I guess you could go there. But like I said, these are just numbers. It doesn't mean anything when they kick off on Sunday, but that's a lot. And a lot of them are you know, kind of football-based, not just kind of out-there-based. The fact that the Eagles have the number one pass defense uh, against the leading passer in the league I, you know, I, I don't know. I, um, if I knew who was going to win these games, I know I say this all the time, I'd be a millionaire. I don't know. It's a coin flip game. It really is. I'd be surprised if one team blew the other one out. I expect this to be, I, like I said, I'm not really keen on the total of the game, 51, because I can see it right around that number, 27, 24, you know, 30, 24. 30, 23, 27, 20, something along in in that area. I I think it'll be fairly close to that number. But ultimately, not only do I have the Eagles, obviously, to win, I I, I just think there's something about this Eagles team that has resonated all year. They're 16-1 with Jalen Hurts as the starter. While the Chiefs have been there and they're used to this third time in the Super Bowl in the last five years, quarterback now being there for the third time, I usually go with the better defense in the Super Bowl, and I think the Eagles have the better defense. Throughout every stat out there, running the ball and playing good defense is usually what wins championships. The Eagles have the much better running game than the Kansas City Chiefs. As I've told you, the Eagles are 14-0 when they outrush their opponents in a game this year. And in Super Bowl history, the team that rushes for more yards is 41-14. and And there was one where it was tied in rushing yards. So that's a big statistic. And like I said, the Eagles' pass defense is the best pass defense in the league. So obviously it's the best pass defense that Patrick Mahomes has faced all season. I think they can give him problems. I don't think Mahomes has any great receivers or any game-breaking receivers that they have to worry about outside of, obviously, Patrick uh, Travis Kelsey. I- I'm not afraid of Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Kadarius Toney. I- I'm just not, and I don't think the Eagles will be either. They are going to do whatever they can to bracket Travis Kelsey and make sure he doesn't go off for 10 or 12 catches And if Kelsey is held to like five to seven catches, I just don't see a way that the Chiefs win this game. And unless the Eagles' defense, pass defense just gets exposed or something, or they're not as good as we think they are. And 
and maybe they are the number one pass defense because they haven't gone up against a bunch of great quarterbacks. That's very possible. I read you the list of teams that they've played this year. They haven't faced a ton of them. They faced Aaron Rodgers, and he put up 34 po- 33 points on them. They faced Dak Prescott, he put up 34 points on them. Every other shitty quarterback that faced it faced did nothing. So we'll see. There's just These are all just numbers, but the biggest battle in units on this game I just think the Eagles run defense against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Eagles run offense versus the Kansas City Chiefs run defense is the biggest advantage by any team's unit versus the other team's unit. And um, I think that'll be the difference in the game. I, I really do think that the fact that they can run the ball and they have a better defense usually equates to winning the game. But we never know because they could run the ball great. And what if Kansas City just matches them point for point? And then we get into the fourth quarter and it just, you know, flip a coin. Something happens. Someone gets hurt. Someone, you know, a bad turnover and at the wrong time in a close game. You just never, ever know. So I'm looking forward to a good game. I hope everyone else is too. And I hope you um, eat a bunch of crap on Sunday uh, for the Super Bowl because that's what you should do on Super Bowl Sunday. One other NFL note before we move on to NBA stuff. I think that I've talked about it all week. I've talked about it in regards to Tom Brady moving over to the broadcast booth. He said on the Colin Colin Coward radio show this week that he's not going to start on Fox until 2024, the fall of 2024. So he's taking all next season off, which means Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who were on the call Sunday, will be the NFL on Fox's number one broadcast team next year as well. There are rumblings and... We're still over a year away, but there are people in the media industry who are like, you know what? I'm still 50-50 that Tom Brady ever enters broadcasting. He's already putting it off to 2024. He wants to you know, practice or get good at it or take a year off, whatever the case may be. There are very well-respected media members out there that are saying they're 50-50 that this contract that he signed with Fox ever even happens. Not that he would back out and they'd still owe him money, that they, he would just be like, you know what, I am I thought I wanted to do this, but I don't. Because committing to 10 years and $375 million, yes, that's a lot of money. But I, I'm, I'm kind of with the media too. I've said this ever since this whole thing came up and ever since Greg Olson took off and there's all this pressure because now Tom Brady has to be great right off the bat because he's booting Greg Olson down to the number two team. And it's like he's got no wiggle room to even be average or okay or even good. He has to be great, or then they're just everyone's gonna be like, man, that sucks. Their number two broadcast team is better than their number one. Joe Davis and Greg Olson would end up being the number two team. And I love Joe Davis being a Dodger fan. I love his play by play calls in baseball and football and basketball. He's outstanding. But man, <laughs> That's the other pressure on Tom Brady is he doesn't have any wiggle room to get his feet wet and, you know, give me a couple of years to get into this broadcast and think, no, he has to be great right off the bat or he's going to be crucified because people are going to be on the lookout for, is this guy worth it? Is this guy worth booting your number one team and changing it? And I, I just don't know. And just like others, there's a part of me that thinks he's never even going to do this that he will back out and just be like, I just I want to go on the beach. I want to hang out there and hang out with my kids. So we'll see. We're still a year over a year away from that, but keep it in mind. Okay, I got an email 
from uh, someone who said, hey, would you maybe, maybe you want to answer an email in your Sports Daily podcast? I'm like, okay, I could do that. They said, really enjoying the sports podcast. Just wondering what your thoughts are on the new Alabama hires, namely Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator. Lots of lips are flapping down here with strong opinions on both sides. Would love an objective opinion. Thanks for entertaining and informing us all on your shows. Well, okay. First off, defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. This is his third stint with Nick Saban, so I like the fact that there's familiarity there. He knows exactly what is expected of him from Saban. Saban knows exactly what he's getting with Kevin Steele. Am I am a, am I a little worried that Kevin Steele, I believe, is in his 70s as a defensive coordinator, as a coach? Maybe. Is he a little outdated? Does he is he is he more familiar with the game nowadays? And not like they're dragging him out of retirement. This guy's been coaching, but you know, it's a question mark. I, I can't say right off the bat, oh, great hire. I do like the fact that he and Nick Saban have worked together. This will be the third time together, so they're familiar. I do like that, but I'm not sure yet. You know, I have to see them play. It's very tough to say, oh, great hire. When they haven't even taken a snap with him as the defensive coordinator, you just don't know. You got to see their personnel. You got to see how they work under him. We just don't know. Same with Tommy Reese being named the offensive coordinator, brought in from Notre Dame. Yes, he did a good job at Notre Dame, but again, I need to see their offense in motion. I don't even know who their quarterback is next year. I don't know offensively their weapons. I can't remember off the top of my head who's coming back and who isn't. So this is one of these things where I don't think they're terrible hires. These guys have been successful where they've been in the past, but their successfulness in past stops doesn't equal Alabama successfulness because to be successful at Alabama, that means national championships. That means you don't lose more than one game a year or else you know the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa. So I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. This is going to be, you know, another seven or eight months before we can say, was Tommy Reese a good hire and was Kevin Steele a good hire? We don't know yet. I, I, I know that you probably wanted more of a solid answer, but I can't give it when I haven't seen these offenses and defenses play under these new coordinators yet. So maybe get back to me at the end of September. They got three or four games under their belt. Maybe I'll have a better idea after watching them play. In other college football news, Oklahoma and Texas, we know, have been headed to the SEC for, you know, I think a year now is when we found out last at the end of last season. You know, two seasons ago, we knew that they were leaving to go to the SEC, and it wasn't going to be until the 2025-26 season. Well, that got expedited, and they are now leaving after next season. So they're going to be for the start of the 2024 season. Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC, USC, and UCLA will also be in the Big Ten by then as well, and that is the year that the 12-team playoff for college football starts. So everything is aligning perfectly. I don't need to get into the numbers of why Texas and Oklahoma left. It's obviously for more money. The Big 12 will be a good conference, but certainly not a great one. You know, you'll still have Texas Tech, TCU. You're bringing in Houston, BYU, UCF. And I'm forgetting the other school, oh, Cincinnati, along with the, the the mainstays already there, Texas Tech, Baylor. It'll be a good conference. It just won't be great. And you're losing your two biggest markets and your two biggest draws uh, for the Big 12. But, you know, so next year, actually, the Big 12 has 14 teams. <laughs> and then in 2024, they'll be back to 12. But 
But then again, you'd be like, well, Steve, for the last few years, they've had 10. Yeah, exactly. They had, they did have 10. Um, wait, next year they're going to have, yeah, though, no, sorry. They have 14 because Oklahoma and Texas being in the big 12 makes them have 10 teams. And then the four BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are all coming in next year, 2023. So that makes it 14. And then Oklahoma and Texas will leave the next year, bring it back down to 12. So it'll actually be a big 12 for the first time in gosh. Um, I don't even know. I don't even want to say the years. I, didn't, I can't remember what year they, they stayed the big 12, but only had 10 teams. Who were the last two to leave? Was it Oklahoma and Nebraska? No, I mean, um, Nebraska and Colorado when they left? And they were That's when they were down to 12? I'm blanking. Anyway, doesn't matter. Oklahoma and Texas going to be part of the SEC come 2024. UCLA, USC, part of the Big Ten come 2024. Man, college football is heading towards basically just being an NFL minor league system. And it's not going to be long before we have the major schools basically breaking away from the NCAA NCAA and forming their own playoff, forming their own conference, and just screwing all the smaller schools. It's coming. Just wait for it, people. It's coming. NBA trading deadline I want to end with because so much action happened. As you know, if you listened to the Sports Daily yesterday, while I was recording, I looked at my phone and saw that Kevin Durant went to the Suns for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four number one picks. This absolutely makes Phoenix the favorite in the West. A healthy Kevin Durant. He's not going to return until after the All-Star break. But when he's healthy and you roll out a starting five of CP3, arguably the best two-guard in the league in Devin Booker, arguably the best three-to-slash-four-man in the league in Kevin Durant, and one of the best centers in DeAndre Ayton, man, like I said, put me as the fifth starter, and they're going to be a favorite in the West. I could still guard maybe, you know, once my Achilles heals. No, I just think that this team is, you know, you just have to keep it close. And then you get to the fourth quarter and you've got those options. You got a big man that can score anywhere around the basket. You've got one of the best shooters in the league, two guards, if not the best two guard in the league. And then you got Kevin Durant, an all time top 10 player in NBA history. And if you doubt me, go look at his numbers. It's, it's scary what a guy his size has done and what a guy his size has been able to do throughout his whole career. He is his only problem recently has been durability. But if he stays healthy, my gosh, scary, scary team right there. Now, the Lakers. Mm, I like what they did. Like I said, addition by subtraction, got rid of West, Russell Westbrook. You bring in D'Angelo Russell, you bring in. Jared Vanderbilt, you've already brought in Rui Hachimura, and you bring in Malik Beasley. All players that are going to help this team, for sure. But because of where they're at, five games under 500, they're going to have to finish the season 20-6, and 19-7 to get at least into the top 10 so they could at least possibly get into the play-in game. But it's not going to be an easy task because while you got these guys and they're certainly make them a better team, how quickly can the team gel? You know, this isn't easy to just throw the guys in, in February where you don't have a lot of practice time and LeBron's going to be at the all-star weekend. So he's not gonna be able to practice with them all that much. It's going to be, 
you're going to be learning on the fly, and you're going to have to win games because right now they are 13th in the Western Conference. Now, granted, they're only like five games out of the fifth slot in the Western Conference, but you'd have to pass so many teams. This is a team, like I said, they're literally going to have to. Did they end up losing again last night? Let me look at my phone. Yeah, LeBron didn't play, and they lost 115-106 to the Bucks. So, yeah, yesterday I said 20-7 and seven to end the season. Now they have 26 games left. So 20-6, and 19-7, and 18-8. I, you, you got. I, I would say you know seventeen and nine. It'd be the worst you could probably have to go to get yourself into a playoff spot. And this team has played, you know, fifty six games now, and isn't close to being over five hundred. Now they're going to have to play almost six hundred ball with a whole new roster. Not a whole new, but a lot of four new guys for the last 26 games of the season. Not going to be easy. Can it be done? Sure. You've got LeBron and AD to build around. And I hope they at least get there. The thing about the the thing that's interesting about the trade deadline is three teams in the West, you know, got superstars. Well, I shouldn't say superstars. Remade their roster. Obviously, we know the Mavericks got Kyrie. We know the Suns got KD. And the Lakers added four players. Now, all these teams are on the back end of the Western Conference playoff race right now. I think Phoenix has the, a really good shot to end up in the three slot. Maybe four. But Dallas is still hanging around. They're 30 and 26, right around the sixth seed. We don't know how this Kyrie experiment's going to work. There's a good chance, like, the Suns and the Mavericks and the Lakers, you know, make the playoffs in the five to eight seed range. And so it's going to be like the teams that are ending the season well and have these new players might get really bad seeds. And then you can kind of throw seeding out the window when it comes to the playoffs, because we know that who's playing better down the stretch. And I, I got to believe the Suns are going to be better. The Mavericks are certainly going to be better. They were just basically a 500 team. I can't imagine they're going to play 500 ball with Kyrie the rest of the season. Oh, speaking of that, my Mavericks tickets that I have for the rest of the season literally shot up in price because of Kyrie. My face value on my season tickets is $75 a ticket, the two seats that I have, $75 each. The Suns play the Mavericks on March 5th, Sunday, I believe, Sunday, March 5th. It's a noon game. I believe it's an ESPN game. When I went to look at their prices for that game, those tickets are now worth 500 each. It's a good chance they're probably going to sell them. I, I don't I, – going to a basketball game is not as important at may, as making a, quote, eight, you know, close to an $800 profit if I sell them for 500 each. <laughs> just That's just smart business, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, there's a good chance I ain't going to that Suns game. I don't – you know, like – and I'm I'm still debating on whether or not I want to keep. I, I this is the first time I've really thought about giving up my seats going into next year. I have to make a decision by March, and I just don't know. I just don't go to enough games anymore. You know, if we get to you know, there's just like I said, I have 21 games. I usually go to 10 or 12. I've been to three this year. I just get to this point where it's just like, no, I don't want to go to the game. And now that I've got two podcasts that I have to record every night, that's kind of been my reasoning. Is just like. 
I don't want to go to the game and then come back and have to record two podcasts. And we're like, well, record them before. But then I'm recording them at literally four in the afternoon, and so much can happen from the time I record. So first world problems, I guess, is what I'm saying. Anyway, that's where I'm at with the – I haven't decided yet. I'm definitely going to see if I can get those uh, – sell those Suns tickets. But, gosh, even Kyrie's first home game is against the Spurs. They're the worst team in the Western Conference, and those are going for 250 each. A $75 seat going for 250 against the worst team in the West. So, um, because it's Kyrie's first game in Dallas after this road trip that they're on where they play Sacramento tonight and tomorrow night in Sacramento. It's crazy scheduling. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Go Eagles! <laughs> Sunday, I hope you enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!